Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we'll feature select stories from our monthly open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On January 19, 2016, we held our first event and 14 storytellers got on the microphone to tell their stories to a sold-out crowd at Pulleyhound Tap Room in downtown York. The theme was New Beginnings. Brad Jennings won the night with the story of his first day working for a newspaper in another town. Here's Brad. All right, Brad. Okay, so two things right off the top I want to let you know. One, there's a statistic in the business world that says um, that a majority of new hires, new employees, make a decision within the first seven days of employment about whether to stay with the company long term. And the second thing is that my full first name is Brad. That's it. It's not Bradley. It's just Brad. <laughs> so 10 years ago, I took a new job at a large uh, Baltimore newspaper named after a glowing celestial body. <laughs> um, and they struggled with both of those facts. So on my first day as a uh, sports copy editor in the sports department down there in the newsroom, um, I went for orientation. I walked in, and on the table was a name card that said Bradley Jennings. Underneath it was an ID badge that said Bradley Jennings. Underneath that was a whole stack of official paperwork for benefits and payroll. Everything said Bradley Jennings. I said, uh, excuse me, um, this, this isn't my name. And she said, oh, no, uh, we needed your full name. And I was like, yeah, I know how to fill out the forms when they ask that. <laughs> Um, can we please change it? And she goes, that's going to take a while, and it's not going to be easy. I said, well, I think that we should because it's not my name. So she swipes up the paperwork, and she's out of the room. After the orientation, there's a tour of the building, uh, and at each place, we're dropping off the new employees in the departments that they work in. So we got to see the advertising department, uh, the customer service department. Uh, she knew a lot about the HR department. Um, and at the end, it's just me left on the tour. And she goes, what department do you work in? I said, uh, the, the newsroom? She goes, oh, I never go down there. I don't even know what goes on down there. I'm thinking, really? At, this is a newspaper. It's the reporters, the editors, where they make the news. Is that seems essential to things you would know. She goes, if I take it to the elevator, do you know how to get down there by yourself? I was like, sure. So a couple minutes later, the elevator doors open, and out walks Bradley Jennings into the bustling newsroom. <laughs> Found my way to the sports editor's office, and he's like, oh, yeah, hey, come on, come on, come in here. Uh, hey, um, do you like cake? And I was like, I love cake. <laughs> he's like, Great, because uh, we just had a newspaper that had a, had a redesign today, a, a new look for the newspaper, and we're having some cake out in the newsroom to celebrate that. Uh, you want to go get some? And I was like, sure. So he walks out there with me to the middle of the newsroom. We get in line for cake, and he disappears. So now it's just me and about 40 people I've never seen before, and I'm enjoying my cake. And I'm just like, let's just eat the cake and go back to his office. In the middle of all that, a guy's like, hey, who are you? I said, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm new, I'm in the sports department, it's my first day. And he goes, well, I guess we're just giving anybody cake then. <laughs> so I set the cake down and I go back to the sports editor's office and he seems disappointed to see me. He's like, oh, okay, you're back. 
He's like, hey, what is it, like noon? Uh, you want to grab some lunch? And in my mind, I'm thinking, lunch with a sports editor? Yeah, that sounds cool. I was like, yeah, yeah, lunch sounds good. He's like, okay, great. They showed you where the cafeteria was, right? Just like down the, down the elevator, off to the right. You'll be able to find something down there. Just go ahead and get yourself some lunch. So down I go by myself, sit in the corner, the cafeteria. It's like a bad high school loner cliche. <laughs> Stay down there for two hours because I just didn't want to go back up there and be rejected one more time. So they say that a majority of new hires um, you know, make a decision within the first seven days about whether to stay with a company long term. I don't think I decided on day one. I might have decided on day two, which is my first night shift in the sports department. It was 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. Uh, the cafeteria is closed by then, but it was time for my dinner break, uh, where I realized that our break room, nor anywhere else in the building, had any utensils whatsoever. She forced me to eat my reheated chicken parmesan and spaghetti with my bare hands. Which was witnessed by at least one uh, colleague who worked in at that point. Uh, and at the end of the night, when I tried to leave, the, uh, leave at 2 a.m. and realized that my cool Bradley Jennings ID card didn't open up the gate to the employee parking lot, and I also realized that there's not a lot of help to get the gate open at 2 a.m., Six weeks later, I left that job at the uh, large Baltimore newspaper named after the glowing celestial body and uh, came back here to uh, York, uh, back to a job in management that I've had for 10 years at the York Daily Record, where they are well aware of two things. Uh, one, the onboarding process for new employees is very important. And two, my first name is Brad. Thank you. Brad won an exclusive York Story Slam journal from our friends at Story Supply Company and earned himself a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Next up is one of Brad's newspaper colleagues, Eileen Joyce. Eileen told us about the challenges and opportunities she faced throughout a childhood full of frequent relocation. Here's her story. Ready, Eileen? Your tote's ready. I can see it in your eyes. Let's give it up for Eileen. Hey everyone, I tried practicing this story last night and I went completely blank in the middle, so we'll see what happens tonight. Just warning you, everybody assured me it's a safe space, except we're putting it on YouTube, so we'll see. Um, so how many of you guys have seen Inside Out, the movie? Yeah. So I just watched it over New Year's because I was flying back from Arizona visiting my family and I thought, well, that's a fun movie to watch on a plane. Like, I don't know, Pixar makes you cry a little bit maybe, but it'll be fine. But then I found myself like bawling on an airplane, <laughs> like somewhere over the Midwest, like with the little cocktail napkins, trying to like make it look cool that I wasn't just crying my eyes out. Because what I didn't know is that Inside Out is all about an 11 year old girl who moves across the country because her dad gets a new job, which was essentially my childhood. My dad, um, we'd move every three or four years and people would be like, oh, are you in the military? And my mom would say, no, we're corporate nomads. My dad would like, it was like a fixer-upper, and we would go to, uh, you'd go to a different plant, and we'd work there two to four years, and he'd get that plant fixed up, and then we'd move to the next plant. After a while, I learned to ask, like, you know, what are the plants that are doing terribly? <laughs> and he'd say things like, oh, Texarkana, that plant really needs some help, but that's a shitty town, and I don't want to live there. And then like a year later, he'd be selling me on the glories of Texarkana. <laughs> it's much better than what he thought. 
So, you know, moving, it was, I would kind of go through all the stages of grief. Like, I'd be like, denial. Like, I'm going to live with my friends. I don't have to move with you. And, uh, you know, bargaining. And then finally acceptance. And there's some good things about moving all the time. Like, all your clothes are new. Like, no one's seen your wardrobe before. <laughs> If you get tired of like your friends, you can get some new friends and you have an excuse. You can, you know, I always thought like it would be my chance to be like the cool kid. Like I was gonna, this time we'll move and I'll, I'll hang out with the cool kids and everybody will think I'm a cool kid and I'll really reinvent myself. And so, but that always failed. Like after about two or three months, I'd either realize that the cool kids were boring or <laughs> I'd make some sort of ill-placed Star Trek reference and they would spot me <laughs> and I'd be back with the nerds. So, I mean, I feel like at least I learned early on in life that you can't run away from who you are. Like, you have to, no matter, you can't just change your geography and have that really change your inside self. So that was a good thing about it. The other weird thing that my parents would let me do is after a while, they let me pick a school, essentially. Like, they would just drop me off and like, drop me off at a school, and I'd go in and I'd meet the principal and a guidance counselor, and then I'd be like, I hate this school, or this school is really clicky, or this school is awesome. And they'd try to find a house in that district. So, like, in Texarkana, because we did end up moving there, um, <laughs> there was Pine Street Middle School, which was like, they called it Crime Street, because it was like the racially diverse, economically diverse schools in the Texarkana City School District. And um, I visited that school and it was cool. Like the principal wasn't putting up with anything and the kids were excited and the teachers knew what was going on. And then I visited Pleasant Grove, which was like the white flight school district that they built. It was new, everything was new. And they were like, no, you really wanna live in Pleasant Grove. And then I realized I wasn't a cheerleader and I didn't wear a lot of bows in my hair. And I was like, no, I wanna live where we can go to Texarkana schools. It was a great experience. <laughs> But now thinking about it, that they just like let 12-year-old me like march into a middle school and <laughs> tell them what school district I wanted to live in, it sounds crazy. <laughs> so people ask me all the time, like, would you rather have moved all the time as a kid or would you rather have grown up in one place? And it's always hard to, like, I can't compare it. Like, I don't know what it would be like to live in one place. I think I like the idea of having people that have known you since you're in kindergarten or something. I think that's maybe something I missed. But I do think like you get a chance to see like all the different ways people experience America. Like people, it makes me really angry when people talk about you know real America or real Americans because I've lived coast to coast and I can tell you that you know people want the same things, but the way they approach their life or the way they approach making their lives better just varies wildly. To to say that there's one like true America. I just don't think that's true. So I hope that the girl from Inside Out, I think maybe her life is better because she had to move across the country. But that little bit at the end where she hugs her parents and cries, man, that just got me. <laughs> so thanks. Thank you, Eileen. Our final story on this month's podcast features Tom LaForgia. He told us about how family dynamics are changing for him with the recent passing of the matriarch of his family. Yeah, so my name's Tom LaForgia. That's Italian, not French. Um, <laughs> Philip forced me to sign up, and we got in that conversation, so it is Italian. I come from a big Italian family um, in northern New Jersey, um, and this story is about how I predicted a new beginning, and I could envision it years and years before it happened. 
So I come from this. Uh, Just kidding. <laughs> I get one. I get one. That's it. Um, so how I envision this thing, I come from this big Italian family. Uh, my grandparents, I felt like, would live forever. Um, and about a decade ago, my grandfather died. Um, and then my grandmother kind of rose to be the matriarch of this big family. I have 16 first cousins. Uh, my mother was a single mother, and I was largely raised by my grandparents. So my cousins all felt like my brothers and sisters. Um, and to an extent, my mother felt the same way about her extended family, although I never really knew them that well. Although I saw, saw pictures of her as a kid with her cousins and thought, wow, they were all so close, where are they now? And so I thought, as the, I'm, I'm the oldest cousin in my family, my sister is the, is the oldest female cousin. Um, and I thought, all these younger cousins of mine, they don't know what they have, we're all so close together. And when my grandfather died, I thought about the day my grandmother would die, which actually is a new beginning for me. She died on December 31st of 2015. And I'm still in that stage where I could talk about it, totally removed. And everything's fine, and I'm cool with it. Um, but my cousin Zach, my little cousin, who Carter, you remind me exactly of one of my little cousins. I remember maybe eight years ago, two years after my grandfather died, and my grandparents have had the same house for 50 years that has served uh, for 50 Christmases, 50 Fourth of Julys, 50 Easters, our whole family gathered there. And I remember sitting there and he said, geez, I can't wait to take over this house when, if grandma dies or whatever happens next, the next person to take over this house. And I remember being the older cousin, thinking to myself, that's just so unrealistic. And I was probably, I don't know, I guess at that point, a sophomore in college, and I remember thinking like, this is not going to last. Things are going to change. Uh, for an example, Christmas dinner usually has 52 people. Fourth of July is 147 at the party. And I remember looking around thinking, my grandmother is the one who brings all these people here. Um, she has the financial capacity to have a house that's big enough to host everybody, all these things. And she passed away on December 31st, and no joke, uh, I guess two weeks ago, I'm sitting in the empty house as they're cleaning the furniture out with my cousin, thinking to myself, and he's like, I can't believe this is happening. Where are we all going to go? Where are we going to have parties? Um, and I, I didn't feel that bad. Um, I feel like as we start to discuss holidays moving forward, as we start to discuss Fourth of July, Easter's Christmas, all of those things, we have to recreate ourselves. We have to figure out what's new for our family. There's no possible way as the next generation, now my sister, myself, and my other little cousins, start to have kids on their own. We could even fit in that house. So it was unrealistic to believe, but I guess it was a nice belief to have for the time that it existed. Um, and I guess my new beginning is something I'm really looking forward to and reinventing my family in this new age that we have together. That's it. Thanks. We wish Tom and his family well with their new beginning. We hope to see all three of these storytellers again this season. Our next event is scheduled for Tuesday, February 16th, when we'll draw 10 names from the hat to tell stories based on the theme, Sick. Remember, you can purchase tickets on our website, yorkstoryslam.com, and while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can also follow us on Twitter at York Story Slam, as well as on Facebook. Our podcast is produced with support from The Beer Ace. Find them at thebeerace.com. We hope to see you on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services.
Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at wilsonmediaservices.com.